Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, and welcome to episode number 113 of the Milestone Pursuit podcast. It is the podcast that brings you a number of things. It brings you conversations with the elites as part of our scheme to invest in underfunded British elite marathon runners. It's a podcast that brings you recovery rambles where I run easy around the cold and wintry Hepping Forest as it is today and talk about something that's on my mind. And it's the podcast that brings you workouts. Not very often these days, admittedly, but it still does. And today, on Thursday, March the 2nd, that's what we've got. We've got a little workout. We are going to be doing a progression run using some mindfulness techniques. And we'll get into talking about what that's all about a little bit later. You can call it a progressive mindfulness run or a mindful progression run. Not quite sure what the best way to name it is. I'll leave that to you. It's going to be about 30 minutes, a bit under. I'm going to use those mindfulness cues that we've used before in these sessions to work ourselves through some paces and see how we can get on. So we'll come to that. I'm just going to jog for a bit to warm up. It's freezing cold. Oh, it's beginning of March. It's getting lighter. But it's not getting any warmer. The birds are noisy today, though. Gearing themselves up for spring when it arrives. There's a couple of things I just wanted to talk about before we got into the session today. The first of those is, is marathon season is is now now well underway. I guess it sort of started with the Seville Marathon a couple of weekends ago. And at the elite level, just a few things to to talk about when we're talking about the British elite performances. And I've been going on a bit lately about how the depth of talent that exists in both the men's and the women's side is likely to lead to some breakthroughs, I think in the highest level of performance. That's yet to be proven, but we'll see. The notable performance we've seen so far, as we go into this year, from Tom Anderson, who ran 2.12.05, in his first marathon for five years. His previous best was 2.19. So a big leap forward. But he is a 28 minute 10K runner, a four minute miler. 63, 62 minute half marathoner. So high quality athlete. 2.12. Nice work. Also in Seville, Callum Johnson ran 2.13.28. His second marathon, his best marathon. The previous was 2.17 at Wrexham last year. He also has a 63 minute half. A 14 minute 12 second 5k. And neither of those two, clearly, have run under 2.15 before. So they are very much adding to the depth that exists on the men's side. And then on the women's side, we saw Clara Evans run 2.29.24 to become the 31st British woman ever to run under 2 hours and 30 minutes. Very impressive. In good form, obviously. And 32 and a half minutes at the Telford 10k just before Christmas. 2.29 in the marathon just after Christmas. Good work. That's a sixth marathon. So building nicely. But it's only the second person to have run under 2 hours 30 this year. Because Alice Wright had already done that in Osaka. 
in Japan. She clearly likes the marathon this time of year because last year she ran her best time, 2.29.05 in Houston. In Houston, Texas. Good work. So the depth continues to grow. Let's see what happens. We've got Tokyo this weekend. And then eyes turn to Europe again as we reach late March and through April. Now, talking of notable performances, last weekend saw the East End Lions under 10s take on Northwest Academy in, in the Regions Park Youth League semi-final of the Cup. All a bit nervous, but up for the challenge. And came away with a, an impressive 2-0 win and progression to the final. The East End Lions Under-10s is a football team that I coach and my youngest plays in. And one of the things I said to them before the game, it's going to be scrappy, semi-finals are scrappy, it was a scrappy game. But the other team good. So we respect that, but we don't stand off them. Don't give them room to play. Get stuck in, lads. <laughs> wasn't quite like that but it was get close to them don't let them play and that's exactly what they did they're not the best at listening the under 10s but it seemed to work this time and it is just amazing to watch when they're in when they're in flow as they pray like proper footballers they're covering each other getting into the right positions when one of them got broken someone else mopped it up it just seems to be one of our players who just appear every time there's a threat on our goal it's brilliant and it's when it's when you're watching and you think oh these are, these lads are brilliant and then you go to McDonald's after the game to celebrate and there's food everywhere mess created and then you remember there's that's when you remember they're 9 and 10 it's a mad thing when they're playing sport they look like adults but the rest of the time they're little nippers so we've got a cup final to prepare for got to dust off my suit and get ready game on I'll let you know how that goes in a few weeks so I know it's of a high level of interest in the running community how the East End Lions on the tens are getting on. But moving back to athletics, but staying on the subject of performance, it was interesting to read yesterday comments from Jack Buckner, the UK Athletics CEO. He's been in post less than a year. And he announced that British athletics will be taking reduced teams to the World Championships this year in Budapest and the Olympics next year in Paris which has obviously caused a bit of a stir and he's done that oh, a bunch of cyclists coming along chatting away and he's done that under the headlines of the cash strapped UK athletics as they reported a 1.8 million operating loss in the financial year ending for them in March 22. Obviously there's quite a lot of pandemic pain in that. But also, and I thought it would be interesting just to interrogate that a little bit, try and understand it. So I looked into it, but it also turns out that they've been eating into cash reserves. And I guess with the World Championships last year, with the World Championships, the European Championships last year, the Worlds were in Oregon, and that wouldn't have been a cheap exercise, and they sent 78 athletes to that, and countless numbers of supporting staff, and with the cost of travel being as it is, I imagine that was quite costly, but I guess the context of that £1.8 million loss is how that relates to income. 
the UK Athletics reported income of 18 million. So, 10% loss. Of that 18 million, 10 million of it comes from Sport England and UK Sport, and that comes as funding that is associated to performance and associated to the level of medals, the amount of medals they win at global events, including the Olympics. And so from that perspective, over half the income coming from that level of funding, that source of funding, that context, it's not surprising they want to reduce the number of athletes, reduce the costs that are associated with it, and improve the chances, in their minds at least, of meddling and maintaining that level of income. So they're protecting it and maybe perhaps growing it by focusing on the athletes that they think might do well. It's also interesting to note that the other 8 million, 6 million of it comes from sponsorship and 2 million from a variety of other sources. More people walking their dogs. Oh, yeah. I'm not running. <laughs> She's not running, definitely not. I'm doing the running around here. And ticket sales, so from events, and TV money is negligible, so there's actually zero income from television rights. So you compare that to football, which is awfully astronomical. And ticket sales was like 300 grand or something. So it's sponsorship and sporting and UK sport funding that pays for UK athletics to send athletes to major championships. And at the minute, running at a loss. So on the business side of it, you can see it sort of makes sense. Keep the costs down, send less people, even though it's less far, Budapest and Paris. focus the investment on the people that are likely to make the biggest difference to sources of income and kind of hope for the best and that's the point, it is a gamble because it isn't a business this isn't business it's a gamble on the athletes that they're going to pick they're going to be in form and fit and healthy when they want them to be. It's a gamble that the experience that other athletes might get from competing in heats and early rounds and maybe even getting to finals but not threatening the podium. It's a gamble that that experience is not going to benefit them in the future. And I think a lot of people in the sport will say that's enormously beneficial to the future. And it's a gamble on the short term. It's getting through the now with a focus on the future to come later. And I suppose, going back to business, and we're talking about money and profits and losses and stuff, that is what business effectively is, isn't it? A series of gambles. Investing now into where you think the income might come in the future and it's a tricky one to balance and a tricky one to get right but I often think people like Jack Butler new in role, fresh from British swimming what's he got to lose? he can gamble but personally I'd much rather see that gamble take place in a progressive way rather than a reductive one but time will tell, as they do with all strategies. Hindsight being the best management tool available. So it's all interesting. For context, look out for it this summer. It took 78 athletes to Oregon. Let's see how many go to Budapest. But remember, this isn't a business. This is something different. This is sport, this is activity. This is something that should be at the heart of our national well-being strategy. Invest in 
the people that become role models and watch what happens to activity levels provide aspiration give everyone some goals to chase and make them as widely available as you can so that physical activity extends but also we know how important physical activity and in particular running can be for mental health in an age where our mental health is challenged at pretty much every turn having to work super hard inflation's going up stress over money stress over covid over the past few years all of these things have a long-term impact on our mental health loads of evidence at the moment that resilience is not the given for anybody over any length of time and resilience resources can dry out so let's give ourselves something to focus on but having said all that and having said that the strategy is a gamble a slightly reductive gamble rather than a progressive one perhaps it's just a call for help it's in amongst the things that were said was something very interesting about a sponsorship deal that fell through in September apparently it was big it's going to really make a difference probably plug that loss maybe more and it fell through at the very last minute it was 99.9% done according to Buckner and it was kiboshed the day that Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng made their economic statements in September so perhaps it's a cry for help from corporate sponsors who might be a bit more amenable to spending their money again now anyway there's a big rant in there somewhere but we're going to leave it there because I want to move into something that's actually going to help all this and help us so let's let's move on let's get into our session let's get into our mindfulness now if you haven't done a mindfulness session for a while or perhaps ever a reminder that of course mindfulness takes its roots from the meditative practices of the Buddhist monks switching off from the world around getting really in tune with how you're feeling both physically and psychologically focusing on the moment and where we've applied this before to our running it's been about switching off it's been about really thinking about what's going on in our body as we move and forgetting about all those stresses forgetting about UK athletics operating losses the reduction in number of athletes that are being sent forgetting about the stress of the East End Lions on the 10th Cup Final and forgetting about the stress of your outcome based goals for the marathon season focus on the here and the now by focusing on your body and how it's feeling but we're going to do that today progressively we're going to try and pick the pace up as we go through the run it is a continuous run and with a progression run the key thing to it is to start yourself off slowly enough that you've got somewhere to go at the end a bit like running a marathon really so it's about half an hour so a little bit less and we'll get going in three two one let's go and jog very easy and for the first seven minutes we're going to pay attention to our head position
we're going to get our head up and we're going to look around us and by looking up we're going to create length all the way through our upper body and spine searching for good posture keeping the pace super easy and as we go through this let's look around us what have you got or if you're perhaps you've, you're looking at you've never seen before I'm jumping through the forest I've got trees everywhere The sunshine is trying to beat its way through the trees. The chilly northerly wind. It's getting onto my face. Got a group of people up ahead. With a big kind of husky stroke Alsatian. Thank you. Guys, dancing drink. Oh yeah, you're right. Group of people out for a walk, getting them out, enjoying the outdoors. Be good for anyone's mental health. Not alone someone suffering Down syndrome. So head up. Let's look around. Trawling. Fallen tree, I was going to say. Fallen tree to my left. Very shallow roots have ripped up half, half the ground around it as well. Creating a big hole. Birds like to nest in those little holes. everything relaxed what can you see when you get your head up and keep the running super easy how does that feel taking an interest in me as I run by. I always approach you, don't they, dogs? And sort of veer across you. They usually don't trip you. It's a beautiful day. Sun is shining. Blue skies, littered with a few clouds here and there. Keep your head up, looking forward, remain tall through your posture. Remain relaxed. Just going uphill, so by necessity, pace is getting pulled back. I can still keep my head up. Nice and relaxed. green is the holly bushes that have remained all, all winter. 
bit of moss here and there. Nice and relaxed. Enjoy it. Enjoy this pace. Enjoy the views. What can you see you've never seen before? May run the same routes every day. There's always something different to see. Always something new. Even running at a different time of day creates difference. There's light, different lights create different patterns. feeling. Coming to the end of the seven minutes. We're going to keep going at a very slightly quicker pace. We're going to do this for six minutes. And this time, throughout the six minutes, we're going to focus on our feet. Something we use a lot when we're out and about. doing our running, but not something we think about a huge amount. So let's think about our feet, how are they working for you? And let's start with how they're landing. How are your feet landing? Are you landing on your heels? Or do you think you're landing on your forefeet? We're not necessarily going to change anything, we're just going to focus on what you think is happening. No rights or wrongs. It'll change based on the paces you're running anyway. How's it feeling? How do you feel like you're landing? And do you think you're landing equally balletically on both feet? Or is one clumpier than the other? No rights or wrongs, no judgement. But what do you think's happening? in tune with it. Keep the head up as you're doing this. Maintain that good discipline of looking up and around. Have you drawn about your feet so far? Heels, forefeet, toes, right leg landing heavier than the left, or the other way around, both the same. Next, let's think about where on your foot you're landing in terms of the lateral movement. So, are you landing on the outside of the foot, rolling in, or do you think you're landing on the instep?
this will vary vary enormously from one person to the next it'll even vary what kind of shoes you're wearing how supportive they are how cushioned they are how comfy they are foot rolling in. Now if the foot's rolling in, that's your pronation. And a lot of people fear the pronation because it often has the word over planted in front of it by enthusiastic assistants in the runner's need shops. And pronation is actually essential. The collapsing of the arch into the ground which absorbs some of the impact forces of the land the landing that is a stiff foot that doesn't collapse will send those impact forces up through the lower leg into the knee through the upper leg, upper leg into the hips the impact has to go somewhere so your foot does a brilliant job of taking that. Now excessive pronation of course can be a problem but it usually stems from a weakness somewhere else higher up the chain. Right, last thing for our feet. Let's think about the push off. Where's the power coming from as you push off? coming from your big toe, second toe, your outside toes, your pinkies, he doing all the work. Where's the power coming from? There's our group of walkers again gone around in a big circle. Having a good time. Where's the power? And is the power coming by equally from both sides? Right and then left. there's so much to talk about on our feet that we've gone over six minutes but that doesn't matter we're going to move on now anyway and for the next five minutes where we're going to up the pace a little bit more we're going to start running a little bit now move on from the jog and pick up to something a bit more purposeful but this by no means all out as we do, we're going to think about the hips. We're going to keep our head up. We're going to keep looking. But we are also going to look to push our hips up and forwards. So try and create some height through your hips that then creates length through the legs. So let's firstly think about what your hip position is. Do you feel like it's nice and tall and forwards and high? Or does it feel like you're carrying a sack of potatoes around in your trousers? Or somebody's got a, a bit of rope attached to your waist and they're pulling you backwards. The hips and bums that go down and behind are not what we're looking for here.
push them up and forwards. What this does is creates length through your legs. And length through your legs means you're stretching out the hamstrings, the quad muscles, and the calves. And those muscles are now operating a bit more like springs or an elastic band. You know, when you ping an elastic band tight, put it across your thumb and then let it go and watch it fly across the room. That's what we're trying to do with our muscles. Stretch them out tight. And I'm releasing the impact with the ground. The leg pings forward. The muscles ping you forward, they propel you forwards. Having create height through the hips. And it can be quite an abstract concept, trying to create height in the hips. So things that you can think about, the various cues that you can work with for the next two minutes or so. Or to imagine you're in a big crowd, maybe a concert, a gig, and you're trying to see the front. There's tall people in the way and you're sort of looking up reaching up with your, with your head, not going on tiptoes necessarily, but you're trying to get yourself as high as possible to see. That's one thing you can think about. Another often used one in coaching circles is the helium balloon. Imagine there's a helium balloon either attached to your head or to your hips, and it's pulling you up as you run. So a big old helium balloon. And as you do this, if you can get your hips high, especially now we're picking the pace up a little bit, then notice what's happening with your feet. What's happened to the contact time on the ground? That big heavy waist dropping behind you, you kind of plod along, your feet spending a lot of time on the ground. But with your hips high, feet spend less time on the ground and the ground is a critical part of the running cycle in that we want it to help us create force as we push off and that spring that I spoke of but we don't want it to create lots of unnecessary friction so there's a balance to be struck and we can strike that balance by getting the hips high Good work, we're through that five minutes. It's going to come thick and fast now. I'm going to pick up the pace a little bit more. So we're now going to start moving into the comfortably hard zone. At this point, we want to start to feel as if we're not feeling the burn in our legs or our lungs, but if we went any quicker than we might, or if we went up a hill as I am now, And for this four minutes or so, we're going to focus on breathing. And we still want to keep our breathing controlled. We're not reaching the point where we're gasping for air as yet. Breathing is an interesting subject, an interesting thing to think about. So let's again tune in to how we're breathing. I've just gone up a hill, so I'm a little out of breath.
and people talk about what the optimum breathing patterns are for when you're running. And I think the truth is that for most of us, it really does take care of itself. As far as I'm aware, if we don't breathe, then we die. And the body's pretty good at stopping us doing that. So we'll find a breathing pattern that you can manage. Now for the 78 that were on the plane to Oregon last summer, perhaps it's a bit different and perhaps they want to optimise their breathing pattern according to their pacing and their cadence for optimal performance, especially over short distances. But for most of us, we just need to relax the breathing as best we can at all times. Now, the next question is, are you breathing through your nose or through your mouth? And I think it's virtually impossible to get enough, enough air, even at lower paces, just through your nose. So feel free to use your mouth. Feel free to challenge that as well. Everybody's different. Let's keep the breathing controlled now for the next minute or so. But we're running comfortably hard. Head is still up, hips are still high. Breathing is controlled. Okay, we've got three, two, and one to go. We're going to start picking it up a little bit more now. So for the next three minutes, as our four minutes and breathing's finished. For the next three minutes, let's focus on our knee drive. Now, we're not sprinters, so we don't need to suddenly transform the way that we run into sprinting mechanics but we can learn some things from sprinting, sprinting mechanics and in particular the position of the knee so here let's focus as we pick up the pace a little bit more into comfortably hard we're going to drive the knee forwards not necessarily up Although you might want to do that as well. But drive it forwards. And the common thing that many of us do is allow our knees to drop across our midline. So moving towards each other. Take care. Two mountain bikers having a little chat. So drive the knees forwards. Don't let them drop across. If they drop across, you're extending your glutes, your IT band, and that can often lead to knee pain, funnily enough. So let's keep them facing forwards. 
drive them through. And as we do, just a couple of cues you can think about. A good one is to imagine your headlamps on your knees, on your kneecaps. And you want to light the pathway up in front of you, not the one to the side. Another is to imagine your knees smashing a pane of glass that someone keeps putting in front of you in between each stride. Keep smashing it out of the way with your knee. And the reality here is the reason this is so important is that any movement to the side and any movement that's not in the direction you're wishing to travel in creates inefficiency. So keep the knees moving forwards. Good work. Telltale sign for when they're not moving forwards is if they knock against each other. Is that happening for you? Hopefully not. Right. Three minutes is up. We're into our two minutes. Picking up the pace a little bit more now. And this time, we are going to focus on our arm position. So our heads up, hips are high. The knee is driving forwards. We are now working on the arms going backwards. So they've been doing it anyway. But we're going to think about it. Let's get the arms always bent 90 degrees-ish. Maybe a little bit less. Hands swinging, sort of hip height. Can be higher. But it's the backwards movement of the elbow. That is all important. What's happening there for you? How far back is that elbow going? As you pick up the pace. And I've not consciously picked up the pace here. With my elbows going back, my knees going forwards. I'm actually getting a little bit quicker. And this is all based on Newtonian law. But equal and opposite forces. So what goes backwards creates propulsion forwards. My elbow goes back and my knee goes forwards. And create a nice rhythm throughout the chain. Working a bit harder now. And we're coming to the final part of the session. And for our last minute, starting now, we're going to do all of that, but we're also going to pick up our heels. Let's show the heels, your heels to the people behind you, as you pick up the pace. Or rather, now you pick up the pace because you're lifting your heels, driving the knees, throwing the elbows back. sure the people behind you can see your heels, can see the soles of your feet. Just for a final few seconds. Good work. Just going to get past this guy. And hold it there. Well done. Oh, that was a good 
half an hour or so of progression with mindfulness thrown in. The breathing's a little bit challenged now. They've managed to pick up the pacing throughout purely by working on different parts of the body rather than thinking right now I've got to run at X pace or I've got to pick up to this and all of that stuff which is important too but for today for mindfulness it's just about switching into the body how do you feel? How was that? That session can be used for anything really. Always good to pick up the paces as you go on. Might start off a bit achy, a bit stiff. But you can apply that principle, get your head up, enjoy the scenery. Nice and easy as you warm up. Increase the paces. Think about your hip position as you go. Think about where your feet are landing. And as you go through the paces, start to drive the knees through, keep the breathing control, but keep driving the knees through. Think about your elbows and your arms. And then pick up the heels. Oh. oh yeah. And enjoy it. And now we're a million miles away from all that stress. Always come out of recording a mindfulness session feeling much better than I did going into it. So thanks very much for that. Thanks for, thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with me. Thanks for investing your time in listening to another person run. I hope you get something out of it. And as ever, if not, I hope that you get some sleep or it helps you get to sleep. And I'll be back again soon for some more, for something different and new themes emerging that we're going to be talking about soon and in the meantime keep up with the running and please take care ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.